Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to The Art of Being You. Today, we are talking about you. So um, just as I was praying and, and just asking the Lord, what's on your heart for all these listeners, really felt like God was reminding me to remind you of how truly special you are to him. So today is going to be like a big hug from the Lord. I, I always joke that uh, there was a period of my life where when I would walk into Hobby Lobby, I would feel the closest to God. And uh, I can't explain it. It's just like something about uh, the experience. It felt like a big hug from Jesus time and time again. And that's my hope for today's episode, that it would be like a great big hug to inspire you to be boldly yourself and unapologetically who you are. I remember coming to terms with my personality probably, I don't know, I was 20, 27 or so. And, you know, you spend your early 20s kind of trying to to be somebody. You know, you 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 have like pick people that you are inspired by, people that you want to be like, and then you kind of emulate them. And that's normal. That's that's in some ways healthy at, for a time. But then you kind of get to the point where you realize this is who I am. And I am different. And I think that honestly, most of us feel that way. I think most of us would say, I'm not really like anybody else. Or, you know, in the ways that you're like everybody else, maybe you don't like that about yourself. And I remember coming to terms with the calling that was on my life and just feeling so frustrated that I am a bold person and and sometimes I'm I'm not bold. And so that was frustrating. And, and, you know, I like to look at myself and think, okay, I'm like the flower and the flame. If two of those things can exist in the same space, that's me. I feel like a juxtaposition most of the time. Half the time I want to be out loud in front of everybody. The other half the time I'm totally content to be doing a puzzle like a hermit. It's a weird mixture. And I was talking to one of my spiritual fathers about this, and, and I will never forget when he said to me, Rachel, you have to own the fact that you are who you are, and it's a good thing. And he said, every place that you feel that you're deficient, everything about you that you feel like counts you out from being used by God is the very place that God wants to use you in. He began to just encourage me by saying, listen, there are people who will respond to you more than anybody else because God designed it that way. And I say that to you as well. There are people who will enjoy life with you, who will respond to your wisdom and input into their life, who will respond to your leadership that other people, they just won't respond in the same way. Why? Because God ordains all of it. He picked all the different parts of your personality. So if you're a more quiet and timid person and you might say, well, God wouldn't use me in that way because I'm this or that. You know what? That's the very place God would use you. 
It's in your quietness. It's in your gentleness that, that people will say, wow, you know, I needed something like that in my life. I needed a gentle word from the Lord. I needed a hug. I needed a nurturing perspective. And, and if you're on the opposite end of that and you're bold and brash and God would say the same to you, you know, there are people who will say, I needed somebody bold in my life. And then, of course, if you're in the middle of those two things, then uh, the same applies to you as well. Listen, God knew exactly what he was doing when he created you. There are so many unique things about you. Just think about your fingerprints, you know. You're the only person in the history of the world who has that unique set of fingerprints. Sometimes I think we, we don't know how to process the fact that God actually created you to be unique. Think about that. He deliberately created you. Whether or not your calling feels significant or not doesn't change the uniqueness that he put into your creation, into the creation of who you are. I remember when we were in the process of planting our church that we pastor. This was in 2012, around 2013, somewhere in that range. And my husband had this encounter with God that that changed us so dramatically. And, and God began to talk to him about obedience and about uh, the uniqueness of our callings. And he said, you know, there are some who will be faithful to smile at the people. Like, let's just say they're like a, a checkout employee at a Walmart or something like that. And, you know, they'll be faithful to smile at their customers and to bring a little joy, to bring a little laughter and some chit chat or small talk, and they will receive an inheritance for being who they are and letting me move through them in the uniqueness of who they are. And there are those who will be out there winning thousands of souls to Jesus and the Reinhardt Bonkies who, you know, have seen millions and millions and millions of people get saved and, and they will be celebrated in heaven because of the uniqueness of who they are. And the, the Walmart employee that never sees a person get saved and Reinhardt Bonkey will be sitting side by side in heaven, both receiving a well done from the Lord because of their faithfulness to who they are. It's a radical thought, right? It's a radical thought that maybe for you, as you're listening to this, maybe the job that you have feels incredibly secular, feels like God is not even in it. And yet that's the thing that God has put in your lap right now. And your faithfulness to that will determine your inheritance in the kingdom, regardless if it looks as fantastic or not as somebody else. To me, it's such a powerful reality to come to grips with no matter who you are, as you are faithful to be yourself, God wins. God gets glory. God is able to do what he wanted to do. You you may have heard my husband tell this story. He talks about the, the discretion of the potter, right? And how it's the potter's discretion to make the, the pots, how he wants them to be. And he says, you know, some, some people, God makes like a big vase and they're ornate and they, they're on display. I remember when I was getting married, um, the, the florist that we had, he had this big three foot tall show stopping vase that I thought was so ugly. I don't know why, but I just thought this is gross. Please don't use this. And so we specifically said, Hey, please do not use this in your arrangements. And he said, okay. 
He disagreed because he felt like the venue for our reception needed a big show-stopping bouquet in the middle, and I was trying to go more for understated fun versus in-your-face boldness, and uh, lo and behold, we showed up to the reception, and guess what was on display in the middle of the buffet table? Yep, the three-foot vase with a giant flower arrangement in it, and yes, it was beautiful. It wasn't my style. It wasn't really what I wanted, but what can you do about it at that point? And some people are designed by God to be like that. But the thing is that that does not make them any more special than those who are designed to be like a soy sauce dish. Because what makes you special is in the person who created you, not in your function. What makes you special is your ability to function as you were created, not trying to be like someone else. So my husband tells the story like this. He says, those who are, you know, if the soy sauce dish looks at this big vase and says, oh, I, I am ridiculous. You know, I'm, I'm way too small. And he tries to put flowers in himself so that he can appear to be better, appear to, to look more fancy, appear to be more useful the flowers are going to fall out, right? It's not going to, it's not going to work. And vice versa, if the vase tries to put soy sauce in it to, to be able to, you know, for God to dip his sushi in it, well, that would be ridiculous. It would take way too much soy sauce to fill the vase and it would be gross and nobody would use it. The delight of the potter is in the creation being true to what it was created for. The delight in God is you being true to who you were created for. The the place where you're going to receive inheritance, the place where you're going to be the most effective is in embracing who you are. Are you introverted? Fine. Embrace that. Own it. Don't feel bad when you need to go recharge. Don't feel bad when you feel alive in your soul when you're by yourself. Don't feel like God could never use you to do something important because you need time to recharge. In the same way, it goes for those that are extroverts, right? You got to embrace it. You got to own it. You got to not feel bad or feel shamed when you need to be around people. The, The goal of what we're looking for is authentic connection, both to you with yourself and to you with God. That is what God is looking for. And I can promise you that if you will focus your time to be authentic, to embrace who God made you to be, of course, we want to let go of the stuff that's not from God. Of course, we want to better ourselves and and grow in the things that are from God. But it's in that place of authenticity that God gets so much glory. So I don't know what your hobbies are. I don't know the kinds of things that bring you delight, but I know that God wants to do them with you. But here's the thing, human beings, the human being, doesn't matter who it is, it is too, the the human being is too limited to adequately reflect all the complexities of who God is. One human being could not possibly do that except Jesus and Jesus was God also. And so what we discover is that we all need to be true to who God made us to be And that's the place we get the best picture of God. The Lord explained it to me like this one time years ago, that when he looks at the earth, he wants to see a reflection of himself, but not one type of person can adequately reflect the magnificence, the complexity, the uniqueness, the depth of, 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 you know, 
distinction that God has. Not one person alone can do that. So he disperses himself among different types of people. This is where we get personalities. And so when God looks at the earth, he sees an accurate reflection of himself because he sees all the uniqueness of who he is. But one human being cannot possibly embody that. So give yourself a break today. Take the pressure off. Yes, you're made in the likeness of God. Yes, you're made in the image of God. Yes, you are called to reflect him. But there's no way you could reflect all that he is. And be at peace with that. This is one of the reasons why I love personality tests so much because it helps us embrace who we are. You know, the the Myers-Briggs is a great uh, testing tool and uh, I've liked it. It's been helpful for me, but it really looks at behavior, you know, and so the behavior is is helpful because it's patterns. It helps me understand, okay, so I'm an extrovert. My my Myers-Briggs is an ENFP. So um, there you go. Not that that's a surprise probably to anybody who knows what ENFPs are, but, um, you know, my husband is an INTP. He's a really rare Myers-Briggs person. And, um, and so, you know, I, it's helpful to go, oh, okay, so you're an introvert. That doesn't mean you're shy. That means that you need to replenish by yourself. That's a big misconception in the personality world is that people think that extroverts are inherently outgoing and they like to talk to people and that introverts are inherently shy, but that's not true. Extrovert and inter- inter- introvert specifically relate to how you draw your energy. So even though I'm an extreme extrovert, I don't always like to be around people. And really the better way to say it is not all people fill that place for me because being an extrovert doesn't mean that just any old person is going to bring you life. That's one of the common misconceptions. So I love the Myers-Briggs because it helps to put language, but I also love the Enneagram because the Enneagram helps you understand the deeper motivations, you know, and, uh, and I know that some people feel, uh, adverse to the Enneagram. Some people feel like the, the roots that it has to some occultic stuff or is dangerous for them. And I just respect you to be on that journey that you're on. Uh, my personal perception is that the Enneagram existed before the crazy guy in the seventies took it over and, and brought in a lot of weirdness in it. And depending on the source that you look to, absolutely all personality stuff can go a direction that is sort of anti-biblical. So we all have to guard our hearts about that. But for me, when God brought the Enneagram to my lap, which is what happened, I began to have an understanding of who I was on such a deeper level. It brought so much freedom to me. It helped me be able to say, I knew this about me all along, but I always hated that part. Or I always tried to change that part. Or I always, you know, felt like God wasn't pleased with that. And it allowed me to look at myself in a new perspective, a little bit closer to how God sees me. Now, I'm not saying it gives you permission to sin. That's one thing people don't like the Enneagram for is they feel like it gives you permission to stay in your weakness. And that's not my perspective. I think if you've listened to me for any length of time, you know that. But I love that it gives you permission to say, you know what, this is how you're wired. So my challenge to you today is to embrace who you are. Are you a coffee drinker? Own it. Do you hate coffee? Own it. Are you somebody who really comes alive at night? Own it, you know? Don't feel bad about it. This is one of the big things that happens when it comes to um, spending time with God. You know, people start to say, well, You have to only do it in the mornings. And I would say that's not really true. If everybody only spent time with God in the morning, then God would be pretty lonely the rest of the day, right? 
I think that he wires us differently. There's seasons of my life where the afternoons is when I would come alive with God. Oh my gosh, it was incredible. I could spend three hours with the Lord like in a moment. It felt like it went by so fast from two o'clock, you know, because that's how I was wired. I'm not a morning person. I'm really not a night person. So we can discipline ourselves to do different things for good reasons, but embrace who you are. Are you somebody who's a linear thinker? Then pursue God in your linear thoughts. Are you somebody who is a very abstract thinker? Then again, pursue God in that place. My encouragement to you today is to know how much God loves you, to know how much God is not heaping shame upon you for something that you can't do that's like your pastor or your leader or someone you've looked up to that's just different than who you are. When we all get honest with ourselves, all we're trying to do in life is embrace who we are and fulfill through obedience the things that God has asked us to do. And God is such a good father. Amen. He's such a good father to know exactly what you need. So if you're feeling lonely right now, if you're feeling like God has forgotten about you, if you're feeling like everybody else is special, but you're not, all of those thoughts are not in God's heart. All of those thoughts are against who God made you to be. You are so special to the Lord. In fact, Jesus would take up the cross again, even if you were the only person on the earth. You truly do matter to him. You truly do matter to him. He looks at you, Father God looks at you as a loving dad who wants to help you, but also who wants to be with you. He wants to play with you. He wants to connect with your heart. It's not always about the tasks at hand. It's just about being free to be yourself with him. That's my challenge for you today. Take a big, deep drink of the acceptance and the approval of God through Jesus. You've been invited into his family. You've been invited to sit at his table. You've been invited to connect with God. How amazing is that? And I don't know what you're dealing with today, but I know the enemy loves, the enemy loves so much to make us feel like there's something inherently wrong with us. I'll just leave it, leave you with this thought, you know, in the garden of Eden, Eve is talking to the serpent and the serpent begins to tell her that she didn't have what she already had. You know this story? He begins to say, you could be like God if you eat this fruit. And the thing is that Eve was already like God. Eve had already been made in his likeness, so she didn't have to work for it. She just could receive it. It was already there. It was a part of her identity. And the enemy is saying the same lies to you as he's saying, as he said to Eve in the garden, that you don't have what you already have been given by God. You don't have acceptance. You don't have peace. You don't have uh, uh, an unencumbered relationship with Jesus. You do. We just have to embrace it, right? We have to say, Lord, you know what? I want to love myself like you love me. I know that that might sound like an arrogant prayer to some, but here's the reality. When we come into heaven's perspective about our own life, we actually begin to move forward like never before. We become an unstoppable force because now we understand who we are. Now we're not wrestling with the fundamental things. We're actually embracing who we are and we're moving forward towards God as that person. I'm telling you today, you are special to God. You are unique to him. And he actually intended to create you the way that he did. Now, 
you know, if you're dealing with chronic illness or, or genetic disposition or things like that, you know, that that's a, a different thing, right? It can be. But God created you unique. He created you with your height in mind, with your body size in mind, with your eye color in mind, with your IQ level in mind, with your personality in mind. He knew what he was doing. So if you're struggling with loving yourself, just start to ask him, God, why did you make me this way? And not asking in exasperation, like, why did you make me this way? But asking to say, bring me into your perspective. That's our prayer, God. We want to see ourselves the way that you see us and everything that doesn't exist in your mind. We don't want it to exist in our mind, Lord. We don't want to humor thoughts that are contrary to who you have said that we are. So Lord, I just release a blessing over everybody listening to this, that we would be those who are authentically free to be ourselves, warts and all, that we would be free to be uh, embrace who we are before you uh, in the way that you do. We love you, Jesus. Thanks for listening. I hope this was encouraging to you. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.